Hello everybody and welcome to Turalura. This is the podcast where myself, Christian Duxted, and my good friend Josh O'Loughlin over there in Zoom land in Ireland, we are exploring folk songs. How are things over there, Josh? Ah, they're grand, they're quiet, but we're getting through it, you know. All good. <laughs> Tipping away as usual. Anything anything new in County Clare these days? Sweet feck all. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's any constellation, it's exactly the same over here in Norway as we're closing in on Easter time, a holiday that would be used by many to go to their cabins, go skiing, go up the mountains and uh, go down the hills with skis and snowboards on and go cross country skiing and eat our uh, famous version of Kit Kats, which are called Quick Lunch. And we have loads of skiing over here too. <laughs> Plenty of that going on around Easter. Yeah, <laughs> but right now it's it's fairly locked down, so uh, there there won't be much of that for me anyway. I will be staying in lovely Oslo and enjoying the hopefully the sun. You could always strap on the skis and go up and down the stairs a few times for the crack. I you know what I think I'd ruin the skis and I really don't want to you know because you've been on the phone with me when I've tried to to do a bit of work on me skis and uh, it is a lot of hard work and there is a lot of cursing involved so you could just put them on and sit on the couch yeah I I suppose I could have an old hot whiskey for yourself (laughs) but this is not a podcast about skiing I'm not much of a skier like Norwegians have a saying that uh, (laughs) we're born with skis on our feet Uh, and (laughs) I've never been very good at skiing that's like how we're born with tin whistles in our pockets. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, folks. We're born with pockets in Ireland. I wonder if there are any good folk songs about skis or skiers or uh, involving skis at all. I'll have to look that up. But that is not the song that we're going to talk about today, Josh. Uh, we're going to talk about a very interesting song with a with a lot of, um, what you call it, a bit of uh, naughtiness to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A little a little bit of how's your father going on in this one, all right? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get into that in a moment. If you have not liked us on Facebook, then I ask you why. Go into Facebook and find Turalura and click that like button. Or as they say on YouTube, smash the like button. Smash the like button on Facebook. Go into Instagram. Get in there and hit that like button. <laughs> Give us a thumbs up if you like this. Go yeah. into Instagram, follow us there if you're at all interested. Uh, and if you have any questions or ideas or thoughts or uh, just pure abuse, then uh, go into your... We can take it, I promise. <laughs> go into your preferred uh, mailing service agent thing and uh, send that email to podcast at gmail dot com and then we're gonna ask you a big favor that we've completely neglected the two first episodes that we put up we need your help to write some reviews what do you want them to write josh well we want you to go into the little section there that says write a review and put in the title tora laura and just tell them about how absolutely feckin fantastic we are and how knowledgeable we are on our subject topic and you just 
it it would be the end of the world if Tura Lura were not to get to the top of the podcast list in terms of trending podcasts and new and interesting podcasts in the world today because you know yourself there's there's a multitude of things we want to share with you and get out there and who better to tell you than a clear man and Norwegian <laughs> exactly it doesn't really matter what you write just uh, just as long as you give us those five stars or four and a half like even if we don't deserve them yet we'll work for them we'll work really we're proper workhorses you can't review us on every platform uh, not all platforms have that option but at least on apple podcasts and well at least apple podcasts Apple Podcasts for all your <laughs> podcast needs. What are you drinking? This is a lovely mug of uh, Barry's Irish tea. Loose leaf. Loose leaf. Made in an ever solo tea pot. So if any of those companies want to send us a message and give us some sponsorship, no complaints whatsoever. <laughs> Sponsored by Barry's tea. Could you Could you survive that? I mean, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. <laughs> but I just that just means I have to get lions in as well. <laughs> yeah. Side by side. I'd love to get care packages from Irish tea companies. Well, technically, Lions isn't, isn't an Irish company, is it? That's probably some... Actually, considering last week we were talking about clever viral marketing and yeah. society and the way you manipulate society with popular trends in culture... I wonder if the argument between Lions and Barry's is just an elaborate viral advertising campaign. It would be brilliant if if it was like it probably helps them both. Definitely. Don't you think? There's like, a lot of that. Like there's a big argument in Ireland between Lions and Barry's. There's a big argument between Tato and King's Crisps. <laughs> but did you know that uh there's there's a big thing in America as far as I know uh, between Bushmills and Jemison where Jemison is considered the Republican Catholic <laughs> drink and Bushmills is considered a Protestant whiskey interesting and I've even read interviews with uh, some of the people like I might have been the head like the head distiller at Bushmills, which is a, a Catholic, or like not that it matters. Like they're they're two whiskey companies that both produce Irish whiskey, and there's no politics in it whatsoever. But that is a thing in in America. I'm I, I'm pretty sure. I wonder is. if all of those big rivalries and arguments are actually just forms of viral advertising: Coke, Pepsi, Bushmills, Jemison, Guinness, and Murphy's. For all you cork heads down there. Oh, Guinness and Murphy's. Is that really a rivalry? It is in Cork. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. So, uh, without further ado, I'm not going to tell you what today's song is. I'm just going to say to you, Josh, can you please set the scene? Close your eyes. They're closed. You're sitting on a stone wall in the heart of Connemara in the west of Ireland. The sun is shining down and you've had a hard day on the bog cutting turf. Mm. You're dressed head to toe in Donegal tweed. Lovely. 
and the heat of the sun is making you warm so you take your paddy cap off you lean back and you look up at the sky and you say Jesus isn't this great Jesus isn't this great you're living the dream I'm living the dream (laughs) (laughs) and you think to yourself what could make this better what could make this better and you're considering going for a lovely wee pint but you're stopped in your tracks because you hear a sound coming along the road what's the sound I heard her before I saw her and I'll never forget the moment her voice rose merrily over the treetops of a fine feckin' May morning and I knew I was in for a treat. I was taking a walk on this particular morning, a feckin' gorgeous day altogether, and I had a bit of free time from the farming, so I decided I'd pay a visit to the neighbouring village and give the place a bit of an old going over, you sure you know yourself. Now it's four or five years since I've been near the place, mind you, but the talent around here had never wavered much. I have to admit I've sampled a fair bit of it myself, in more ways than one. I got in trouble more than once with the old one back at home, so it was time I expanded my horizons in a place where people didn't know me and a bit of a wandering notion that does be in me. So, I had had a wee pint the night before in Lanigan's Bar, sure just the one you know yourself, and got into an almighty row. But sure that's the way of it. Anyway, when I woke up, I needed a few more jars to settle the head. So Arashar, I had at least a gallon more anyway and set out from home with a head on me like a bag of burst turnips. Me brain was fighting with me feckin' feet over directions at Maloney's Cross till I gave up and leaned against the wall. And that's when she came in. Jesus almighty, just one of the nicest sounds I ever heard. I recognised her voice instantly, but I hadn't expected to meet anyone this early in the morning. It was young Nancy, Farmer Maloney's daughter in the flesh. She stepped out in front of me from the corner of the field and I knew her straight away. The pride of the parish, with a look of divilment in her eye that could only remind me of myself. Hello, darling, says I. How are things, mister, says she. What has the lovely young Nancy Maloney out on the road at this hour? A brisk stroll, says she. Mind if I join you, says I. And that was the start of it. We must have circled the village three times. And be Jesus, I charmed the socks off her, if you know what I mean. Every word she spoke made me melt like newly churned butter, and I was mesmerised. By the end of the walk, she was holding me hand and singing like a lark. I walked her to her mammy's gate, and the question I was longing to hear came out of her lips like the sweetest music I'd ever heard. Do you think you could love a girl like me? Would you be able? Well, I nearly jumped for feckin' joy. But just to be courteous, I had to ask about her age, so you know yourself. Well, I'll put it to you this way, she says. I'll be 17 come Sunday. Mammy won't be too happy, but I'll leave the latch open on the window Sunday night. Come and pay me a visit when the moon is out. And we'll talk some more. She won't hear a thing. Her sly wink told me all I needed to know. Next Sunday was the day. We had some night. Oh, Jesus almighty, it was some night until her mammy heard the din. She came in and spoiled all the feckin' fun. I'd say we could have rolled around in those sheets all night and all day if she hadn't come in with the big stick. The size of the feckin' thing. Soon as I saw it, I hopped out the window and legged it as fast as I could into the marsh. I ended up sleeping in a hay shed a half mile down the road. But while I made my escape, I heard poor Nancy get a few almighty slaps off of that stick. She found me in the hay shed the next morning, and feck it, she was battered and bruised all right. 
Mammy says we have to get married now, says she. Will you marry me? We'd be good for each other. Well, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, how do I let her down easy? The wife wouldn't take too kindly to bring in a second wife home. Not in this day and age. I'm sorry, darling, says I. I'm already married. But you're feckin' lovely in fairness. What else could I say? Sure, I gave her five pound for her trouble and went on me merry way. What else could I do? She effed and blinded and called me every name under the sun as I walked back down towards Maloney's Cross. The old women have me heart broke, but sure the young ones are still me darlings. It would be a story for the grandchildren if nothing else. What a rogue. What a rogue of a man. No respect at all. Mother of God. What Jesus. was he thinking? What were you thinking when you were sitting on that wall looking up at the sky, Christian? <laughs> what I was thinking. No. No. I, I, I won't share me very private thoughts. But <laughs> but that lad, that lad, him, that, that's, that's not me. That's not me for sure. No. No. That's... Who... Well, who is he? He's he's a bit of a legend of a man, I'd say. It sounds like he's he's the protagonist of, of a million different songs. It's it's not just this, but the particular song that we're talking about today is Seventeen Come Sunday. It's the starting point of songs like Cold Blow and the Rainy Nights. Others, uh, Josh? Cold Blow and the Rainy Night, the night visiting song, As I Roved Out. It's actually, I, I recently found out in my research that it all falls under one category. There is a category of songs in the Irish folk tradition that are known as night visiting songs. Some some type of men there must have been back then. There was a few Colleen's involved too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still. Are there any songs of, of women visiting men's chambers in the middle of the night? Mm, if there are, I haven't heard them. And if there aren't, doesn't mean that it didn't happen, but history isn't on its side. Thankfully, things have changed. So if any eligible young bachelorettes out there want to call to our chambers in the middle of the night, I'll give you I'll give you Christian's address first. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Christian can vet them before they come and visit. Just send us a message at touralorapodcast at gmail.com and we'll get back to you at our earliest convenience <laughs> oh my god but the song that you just set the scene to is is a version of that story that was um apparently first uh, published around 1845 between 1839 and 1845 is what you you'd you'd probably find mm-hmm. on the internet but then the hard part is that the story is so common and there's so many songs that tells a similar story so it's hard to say if it's been directly inspired by one of the different songs or if it's just like you said an age-old story it's a big question that you have to ask a lot in folk music and folk songs i think are all of these hundreds of songs are they versions or are they separate songs are they written by different people telling different stories and if so how are they so similar it's very hard to say but definitely uh the lyric that we um we looked at for for this episode is definitely first published somewhere between 1838 and 1845 and we even found like a, it looks like a newspaper clipping 
from a notebook or or something that was published if people go into uk. you can you can actually look at this we'll we'll probably post uh, the link in the show notes and it says 17 come sunday and it is the story of of a lad like you like you said that that walks out and he meets a girl and yeah the rest is history i suppose the, like i said the old historical song of the girl and the soldier like he he takes her home. He has his bit of fun. She has her bit of fun. It doesn't end up quite as permanent a situation as she would have liked. Sometimes it doesn't end up as permanent a situation as he would have liked, depending on the actual version of the story. I know the one that we well, the one I've been working from in my notes most of the time is the one that I heard from the High Kings, which kind of originates with the Clancy Brothers. Which, with a very apt title yeah. of their album, is The Boys Won't Leave the Girls Alone. It was the album that this song featured on from the Clancy <laughs> Brothers. So, yeah, take from that what you will. But, yeah, no, it, the the song, this particular version of the story, this song, 17 Come Sunday, was, um, by from what we have found on the internet, first uh, released on uh, as a recording by a Mr. A.L. Lloyd called The Foggy Dew and Other Traditional English Love Songs, which in itself is a bit interesting. But yeah, and then The Clancy Brothers in 1962, which would obviously be a very um a very significant version of the song and you have other others as well such as the bothy band and obviously in 2011 the high kings which is also where where i first heard the song what really interested me was like how old this story gets like how far back can you go i know we haven't done like really intensive research on this because we like to keep the whole thing a little bit uh light and eerie but at the same time i get really interested about the origins of these songs especially when there's so many of such similar aspects that when you go far enough back what are the originals and i know that you came across a kind of an interesting one there a few minutes yeah, ago looking at looking at this um there's there's often references to other songs and i came like you, you when you're researching these songs you end up in in internet on internet pages that that look like just something out of the beginning beginning of the internet with just lines and lines and lines of references uh but but here um on on a page uh that's called uh fresnostate.edu so it looks like it's definitely from um from an american university or a college or something uh it it says that the earliest date of this story, which is not to say it's the same song, but is seventeen ninety Burns, and we're talking about the Burns. Robert, so Bobby uh, himself, Robert, Robbie himself, Rabbi, Rabbi Burns. For those of you that uh, don't know, Robert Burns was a very prolific poet and songwriter in Scotland many's the year ago, and to be honest, he's going to feature quite a bit in the episodes we have upcoming because. He played such a big part in folk song and folk poetry and culture that it would be impossible not to talk about him. So um, I'm I'm not actually a big Burns scholar, but there are many around, and the biggest one I know is Christian. Yeah, <laughs> I I would I would definitely not consider myself a, a Burns scholar, but I do know a little bit, and uh, largely because I play in um, a pipe band, a Scottish pipe band, and a big part of uh, doing that is the Burns Supper, 
which is celebrated every year on the 25th of January, uh, Robert Burns's birthday in 1759. And he, he didn't get very old. He died in 1796, but he's still widely regarded as the national poet of of Scotland and he wrote both poems and he wrote songs and he also wrote in Scots uh, so I I took the liberty of looking up this it's a walk rife mini I'm gonna go as far as to read a little bit of this poem uh, and I, I apologize I'm already here butchering an Irish accent but I can't recite this without trying to to do a little bit of a Scots thing where are you gone my bonny lass where are you gone me hinny she answered me right so silly an errand for me minnie o war live ye me bonny lass o war live ye me hinny by yon burnside gin ye maun ken in a wee house we me minnie so <laughs> the story here is is pretty much the same like it starts off without telling the story of the fact that I roved out on a May morning it just goes straight into where are you going me, me lovely lass where are you going me he gets honey? straight to business basically uh, in the, typical Burns fashion yeah straight to business she answered me right saucily an errand for my mother and then he he goes on to ask where she lives and she answers and and then, oh, where he far the walk rife cock and and the foremart lay his crown, he wakened the old wife fra her sleep a wee blink or the dawin. So, uh, so we're talking here like he he has he has then he has then gone up to the house just as in the song that we or your s- lovely scene setting there, mm-hmm. uh, Josh. Uh, and he he goes up to uh, to the by the glen at the evening to their house to see his lovely lassie and then uh before the gray morning came she was not half so saucy is what it says so in the english she, so translation he wasn't then, too impressed the, the next morning is that kind of what we're getting at there uh, it's uh, it's hard to say like whether whether or not it i I would ra- I think I I understand it more and long before the grey morning came she was not half so saucy so maybe maybe that means that she was a bit of a uh, a bit of a tease but he okay. he's, so she he's wasn't quite her. as promiscuous when he finally came to visit or or that he had done the job so well that she wasn't quite as uh, sassy in a way like <laughs> if you, if you get my meaning yeah he quite he uh, quite and her. then oh yeah exactly O woe befall the wakeful cock, and the pole cat stop his crowing. This is do what I, I dare ask what you reckon that's about? Like, <laughs> I I hope uh, it's just sort of a, a painting a picture of of the night. O woe befe- befall the wakeful cock, as in and the as in cat stop his the crowing. cock crowing in the morning. Cock-a-doo-doo. Yeah, something. Along those lines, he awakened the old woman for from her sleep a little bit before the dawning. So he wakes the mummy, uh, just as in the song, and the angry wife, uh, uh, I know she raced and over 
out of the bed she brought her so so as in the song which we haven't recite the whole lyric but but in 17 come sunday there's there's a point there where uh, the mother comes into the room she grabs the daughter by the hair of the head out of the room she drags her and with a branch of hazelnut she she was a well-baked daughter so that's that's (laughs) intense like do you think that there's actually like some underlying thing there like back in the day were they actually beaten for bringing like why was it considered to be bringing shame to the family to be having a bit of crack with a soldier or a farmer well for for obvious religion religious reasons i imagine but but still like once damage is done you're not gonna you're not gonna undo the riddly diddly by by baiting her with a hazel branch and yeah. I honestly I don't understand why like obviously if if she keeps on being promiscuous in in that time then there would probably be talk but still like mm-hmm. if if they're actually concerned with with the religious part of it with having premarital sex then then I don't understand what like is is it worse to do it two times than once because <laughs> because if not then the damage is done she's she's already eternally damned or yeah whatever but can't you but see yeah. i'm done forever Even, yeah <laughs> but i i want to i want to mention one more thing from the burns thing here it is actually quite interesting that in the burns version it says uh an angry wife by what she raised and o'er the bed she brought her and we a milky hazel rung so they're sticking with the hazel not uh the, the fact that it is a hazel branch which leads me to believe that it that's that's as the sort of detail that tells me that there must definitely be some relation between yeah. the two songs and there's definitely like there's a mythological sense of um place with the hazel branch as well in a lot of old irish mythology i don't know what you know about it but the hazel is very much related to the fairies and the fairy folk and that kind of thing and um there's a story even even yates had a poem called the song of the wandering angus where he went fishing with the hazel branch he turned it into a rod and he caught a fish but he like i think if i'm i can't remember it 100 percent, but i feel i feel like the Instead of catching a fish, a beautiful woman emerged from the water and she ran away into the woods and he never saw her again. It's something to do with that, but it's the mystical quality of the hazel wood. And it always appears again and again in Irish myth and legend for some reason. So maybe that's significant to the poem too, or to the song. That's news to me, but um, interesting. Yeah. Talking about Burns himself, he was a bit of a player. Oh, he definitely was. He was a bit of a, uh, a bit of a rambling rover or a rogue. Or that's that's actually a question. Before we jump into to Burns, what is a rover, and what is roving out? How would you describe roving as opposed to just going for a walk? I heard a really good comment earlier today when I was researching this song, and it it said that the term "as I roved out." is almost considered to be the folk music equivalent to Once Upon a Time. Because it always tells the story of a man setting out and he's usually in search of a fair maiden or a bonny wee lass or a pretty fair maid 
or a lovely young girl and all that kind of stuff. And he usually gets to have a bit of crack, you know. And if he's roving out, he's probably roving out to have a bit of fun with her. And otherwise, he's going to war. And if he's going to war, he's saying goodbye to the girl. All that kind of thing. Like, roving out is a very specific thing in the folk music tradition. It is like a once upon a time, but at the same time, it's a once upon a specific time. If that makes sense. But there, yeah, it makes sense. But, but a rover in general has to... A rover, yeah, a ro- Like I've, I've been a wild rover. Yeah. There are certain connotations to that. I have been a wild rover for many a year. What does like, it mean to be a wild rover? It's a very good question. Like, yeah. is it the prodigal son going out and absolutely squandering all his money and sleeping with every woman he finds and having the crack and playing music and drinking, fighting, gambling, smoking, helping women that's into hostels? That's how I understand the word. That's how I, I, yeah, yeah. Because ro- roving in a I literal sense would be traveling and wandering. There's definitely yeah. a lot of wandering going on. Even the Yeats poem that I mentioned before, "Song of the Wandering Angus," like that. Yeah, could that could just be another form of "As I roved out." You know, he's he's a one a wild yeah. rover. He's a wandering Angus. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Like it is. It is the. Um, I I wouldn't even call it a cliche saying "As I roved out." It's just become a standard good way do you have of to be do you have to be constant roving and rambling from town to town to be a wild rover or can you stay in the one place that's a good question i i suppose it it kind of depends on how if i wanted to put roving down on my cv like if my cv included <laughs> well you've definitely done your fair share of roving while roving four to five years like and they're looking for references like how how do I attach this to my CV in a academic way so that it puts my best foot forward when I'm looking for more roving opportunities? I think I think you do wisely just to keep your roving out of your CV. <laughs> uh, period. But <laughs> but but let me depends ask depends what this. constitutes roving, like we said already. Yeah, yeah, but I I think you'd. What are your Be qualifications, hard. sir? Well, I've been a wild rover for many's the year. <laughs> I spent all my money on whiskey and beer. I I feel like it's I didn't say that. I didn't say the, that. The, the explanation the explanation comes in the in the next sentence over. <laughs> but what is the difference <laughs> between a wild rover and a rogue? Oh. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was under the impression that a a drinker and fighter, smoker, uh, musician type person could be considered a rogue as well. Mm-hmm. If he's a bit of a wild man, yeah, or girl, yeah. So could we say that they are one and the sort same. of synonyms? But but being a wild rover could be sort of a period in your life, while as being a rogue is more of a characteristic yeah I'd also go as far as to say that the wild rover would be more mobile than the rogue yeah yeah the rogue could be like the town lunatic (laughs) in a way in a way the rogue would be the wild (laughs) lad that lives down the road that everyone likes and gets on well with but he's mad whereas the wild rover is the lad that went off to Australia six years ago and we haven't seen or heard from him and he shows up some morning in a ditch with no money yeah yeah, I get you. Okay, with that in mind, I am I am willing son. to say that <laughs> yeah, that Rabbi 
Robert, uh, Robert Burns was definitely he was definitely a wild rover whether or not he he was a rogue uh, I'm I'm not gonna be the judge of that I'm gonna let that be up to people that are more rogue and Burns prolific than myself but yeah Burns Robert Burns was known as a ladies man <laughs> according to the stories he he was he was very pretty he he had a lovely old face on him. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. Like according to stories, he was very much a ladies' man, and he fell in love quite often. He wasn't a. I don't think he was a player. A lot of the things that he has written is very tender. It's very romantic, and he probably had quite a lot of muses, <laughs> and. Yeah, he fell in love very easily and he wrote stuff like Red Red Rose uh, and A Fun Kiss and and beautiful songs. Things that uh, yeah, so so good songs and and he was also uh, obviously a man of his time. He was a man that lived in the late 1700s, so what do you expect from him? But he was definitely one of the first people that we know from literature that early on was talking about the rights of women and was very much like he has this fantastic poem while europe's eye is fixed on mighty things the fate of empires and the fall of kings while quacks of state must each produce his plan and even children lisp the rights of man amid this mighty fuss just let me mention the rights of woman merit some attention and that's a lovely poem it's another one two three four verses but yeah and this this was written in 1792 it was published uh so so definitely he was um both a man of his time but also a man before his time if you know what i mean and nice. we'll probably get into burns much yeah, later i have a feeling well. we're gonna end up doing a special about burns at some point but but i think he's um he's a living proof that you could be both a ladies man but also a good person uh, <laughs> <laughs> which which is to say like obviously the soldier boy in in uh, 17 come sunday is a bit of a questionable morality there uh, why is that what, what's the story at the end uh <laughs> what actually he, um, happens like I know we went through will you marry me now me soldier boy will you marry me now or never uh, no I won't marry you me 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 lovely lass for I have got a wife at home and how could I disown her <laughs> which is <laughs> this is after he's done the deed yeah and and I love the fact that it comes as sort of a footnote at the end of the song like it's it's the whole story it's it's the tingling sexual tension it's him being let in it's them waking the mother up the mother beats the shit out of the girl with a hazel branch and then and then she's like will you marry me now can you will you marry me and he's like, no I'm I'm married this so she's lying on the floor after getting absolutely mauled by her mother with a stick. Yeah. And she looks up and basically proposes to this lad. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, What are you on about? I'm married, love <laughs> And then the last verse goes like uh 
a pint at night is my delight and a gallon in the morning the old women are my heartbreak and the young ones are my darling so you can you can kind of sense that he's a bit of a well not, a rogue it's not his first, and a wild rover it's not his first day at the races like it's not his first rodeo definitely not <laughs> uh, why is this <laughs> why is this such a common trend in these songs well you're asking a very good question when we were talking about this we we were talk we were looking at um at many songs so that could be the the starting point of an episode like this for example cold blow uh and the rainy night and um yeah like you you were mentioning more more than that as well weren't you oh there's a hell of a lot like there's as i wrote out the christy moore version who are you yeah. me pretty fair maid who are you me honey um that's that can be called pretty fair maid as well um there's also the night visiting song luke kelly exactly um, yeah there's there's loads I, c- I could probably list them forever but they're all following sil- similar themes and as some of the research i did mentioned like some of the themes include the two leaving together some include happy endings marriage and all of that and no mammy at all baiting yeah. the shit out of anyone some of them include the woman coercing the man and getting what she wants before yeah. leaving Others, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Others include them getting caught, and uh, getting in troubles. Like there's, yeah. there's so many no. different endings to it. But like, the common theme is always the man finding the woman and most likely going to Mammy's house. I can see the appeal if we're talking here about like the Robert Burns poem is from seventeen eighty nine, seventeen ninety ish. This song was published in the mid eighteen hundreds. Like we're we're talking about Ireland, very religious place. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say actually. Because if I take you back to that time in Ireland, like well, we're talking. If we're going back as far as Burns seventeen hundreds, I suppose yeah, it's still religious. It's still like it's an occupied country, so it's occupied by the English. There's Protestant and there's Catholic. There's a lot going on there. It's a very, very oppressed and prim and proper place where anything even slightly promiscuous would be considered appalling and unheard of. Like, yeah, religion had its thumb down on the people of Ireland and they were afraid to say anything or express themselves in any way other than innocence, basically. I think the whole thing was a mentality of innocence had to be preserved for some reason. And anything other than that, there was a sense of shame around it and if you considered or talked about or engaged in anything outside of that innocence and that image of innocence within you then your family your parish your town would disown you and you'd have put shame upon them basically and you could go as far as to be excommunicated for simple things which is horrible it was a horrible time i would imagine obviously obviously but but i love i just love the fact that people still found it necessary to write these songs because obviously the sexual drive and <laughs> the intrigue and all it, it like it still had to come out somehow this is the thing and they wrote the songs but like but, how but, many like, songs and how many stories and poems and things from this era still exist and you can just tell that every single one of them is an innuendo everything yeah <laughs> there's plenty of oats for a soldier's horse he can eat them if he's able and then there's plenty of wine for a soldier boy to drink it if he's able. 
And then you have all these like there's a whole there's a whole thing here like there's so much so many double entendres in all of this. They can be taken literally. They're also code for sexual invitations. And as they said in something that I was reading earlier on on irishmusicdaily.com in highly religious Catholic Ireland it was unthinkable for a song to contain anything more explicit. So to them this was probably considered explicit. To, if anything of it was mentioned people would laugh and go you know like it's it's a little um, bit too promiscuous yeah. for them like even as far as like you mentioned earlier on when we were talking about it the likes of Seven Drunken Nights the last, yeah, the last yeah. two verses of that were banned in Ireland they actually were I know a lot of people don't believe that but those last two verses were considered too filthy and rude and even the verses before that like we're lucky that that song ever hit the mainstream at all because of what it insinuates in these songs like they like you said they have to get this sexual tension out they can't do it publicly they're not allowed actually say it so they make innuendos and they make lines that insinuate things without actually saying them like in many many versions of this song there's always one of the characters asking the other if they're able are you able yeah like are you if able? it was that easy to chat up a woman nowadays i don't know what i'd do <laughs> do you know <laughs> hello dar- down to the bar hello darling and the girl are you comes able? over yeah or 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 she or she coming over to you just tapping your shoulder going are you able seriously like Jesus, if, if i was standing at a bar and a woman came up to me tapped me on the shoulder and said will you come to mammy's house when the moon is shining clearly Back then, you probably would have done hula hoops and da- and jumped for joy, whereas nowadays you'd be a bit freaked out. <laughs> you'd C- certainly you'd really yeah, you'd nearly I'd rather they were more straight up with you. Hello, <laughs> I'm attracted to you, and I'd like you to come home with me, please. Which again leads us <laughs> on to like all of this innuendo, I, and I imagine this being something that that probably to some extent did happen like people are people even even in oppressed catholic ireland how do you imagine those conversations going like how was there dirty talk back in the day we, like yeah we're, i don't know like it was how, it was it how the movies depicted you know what i mean and to be honest for ireland back in that time there aren't that many movies depicting anything like that it was very much a culture of arranged marriages and Marriages were built around the necessity to look after land and have children and pass on the land as opposed to built around love or relationships. From what I can tell in anything that I see, any of the media depictions, like there was very little promiscuity about it. But I can imagine that there definitely was. It's just not portrayed. There must have been. Again, like people are people. It's not like it didn't didn't exist. Sure, look look at Robert Burns himself back in the day, like. Yeah, the likes of yeah. the likes of like, obviously in Game of Thrones when you're watching it, you can see. I know it's not. I know that's fictional, but like it's supposed to be a depiction of medieval times. Oh yeah, sure. You know, no, most most definitely, and and I imagine that if we're looking at ancient Ireland, and it was probably much more than what you would see only like two hundred years ago and one hundred and fifty years ago, because the Catholic Church was obviously very strong for a very long time and and probably still is to to some extent but there was a fear of the catholic church like there was a genuine fear of them and the the priests and the bishops and whoever used to actually walk around as if they were hollywood celebrities if you met a priest in the street he would expect you to kneel at his feet and kiss his ring 
that's insane. Or, le- or le- maybe not a priest, that, but a bishop or a cardinal or whatever. Like anyone, you, any high end religious leader, you would be expected to bow at their feet, like, and follow any rules that they told you. I was actually watching the field last night by John B. Keane, and the priest is like getting involved in feuds over land, and I'm like. This is just so typical of old Ireland. Like the priest has the final say in what's going on here, <laughs> you know. And the priest is coming up to him and he's saying, to, he's saying to Bull McCabe, like, I want this to be a fair auction, Bull. It has to be fair, and that's my that's my final decision and all of this. And I'm just like, it's typical old Ireland that the priest is always in charge. Like, like it's definitely the same throughout these songs as well. Like the times that these songs came out. People were afraid to express themselves because they were thought they were going to go to hell if they did. <laughs> so they did as much as they could. <laughs> In secret. Yeah. And even like when when you have a very a, a powerful church uh, and and in many ways a very strict church. But then again, like compared to Protestantism uh, in Catholic catholicism you you can sort of get off the hook if you only as long as you confess then you're grand in a way (laughs) i suppose yeah i think that was a big thing as well at the time like if you confess all your sins you're clear of them yeah that's why they seven hail marys yeah they made a big deal of confession before you die like on your deathbed where's the priest bring him for his final confession and that kind of thing yeah like I don't know. A lot of it feels like an act to maintain power to me. Do you think, like, if if you imagine that situation with with your man and with the with the girl, like, how how would you imagine that conversation going? Like, because because obviously it seems very simple and easy when you sing it in a song, but mm-hmm. we we're both real people. We've <laughs> we've been out there talking to girls. We know it's not it's not gonna be like how old are you? I'm I'm of the legal age. I have a house at the top of the hill. Come over when the moon is shining clearly. It's not yeah. it's not gonna go that way. How do you think that conversation was in real life? Do you think Back it's in the day like, or nowadays? Ah back in the day. Are we talking like proper Irish uh, country farmer dirty talk between two people that that met on the just by chance met like on old style in the field one day old style irish country life like chat up yeah back in like, the day oh jesus you're a lovely cup of tea i will put a spoon of honey in you like what 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 are we talking here oh i don't know like it's like you could consider it today compared to then as well like back in the day when it wasn't allowed even the most simple things would be considered promiscuous like stockings down below your knees would be considered porn back then (laughs) (laughs) the the second verse of the song that goes like her eyes her eyes were bright her stockings white her buckle shone like silver she had a dark and a roving eye or a rolling eye depending on the version and her hair hung down over her shoulder and it's not all even like good descriptions with a rolling eye but it when you say it that way it's like like even sounds kind of (laughs) sexy even in ireland back in the day like for a woman to have exposed shoulders was considered too much exposure like yeah like yeah. oh my god so Mrs. I, O'Reilly just... came down the road and I could see her shoulders <laughs> paying in to a peep show to see a woman lift her petticoat over her knee <laughs> like you want to know how in the name of god aside from the arranged marriages were men getting the deed done back in the day 
Yeah, especially when you think about the consequences. Or women. Like, yeah, but, but the fact that you could possibly, especially as a woman, sadly, that's just the fact of, of history that you you were you were running a high risk of getting baited with a hazel branch or being excommunicated or or told that you like just even the the actual fear of hell like how did things like that happen like obviously if if the urge is too strong then then yes but but did they actually just, have a fear of hell or did they have a fear of the church good question but but still like you, at least in the song like this, yeah. he's he's just passing her by. It's not like they're in the bar. They haven't had seven, seven or eight pints in them, and they're <laughs> they're getting a bit frisky, and they're not thinking consequences. It's like he's literally he's just passing her by and saying, "Oh my God, you're a lovely girl. How old are you?" Like even at least if it happened in a bar, it'd make more sense. Like, does he know this girl before he met her? Is what I'm wondering. Like because he calls her, he calls her his love before he's ever even spoken to her in the context of the song. I met me love. Yeah. Uh, and then he says something which I've been trying to figure out for the last two days. Oh Lord, but she was early. <laughs> Is it like she was early I'm, as in I wasn't expecting to meet anyone so early in the morning? Or is it like... I would imagine, like I, w- I wish I could honestly say that i thought it was a pervy thing because that would be funny but i think (laughs) it's the second thing because i'm looking at different versions of the lyrics here at the same time and and i see that the first verse could also uh be be written as as i walked out on a may morning on a may morning so early i overtook a pretty fair maid just as the day was a dawning and if the day was a dawning i i suppose that could be um she was early See, she was out early that's not that almost makes more sense because it doesn't feel like he was waiting for her to arrive if yeah. you get me yeah he overtook a yeah. pretty fair maid and he goes how's it going love what age are you and she says yeah i'll be 17 on sunday wink wink and he says yeah and then he says like where do you live and she says at the house at the top of the hill wink wink it's it's such like it's such a bad song imagine like let's for the sake of making it less pervy let's say that he's about the same age he's he's 17 18 sort of the lad himself okay because you know that at that time people were considered more or less grown up mm-hmm. when they were uh, ha- had had their confirmation which would be around 14 15 yeah the age of 14 and he's also or 15 so he's also a soldier who back then would have been relatively young yeah so he's so also let's, married let's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but that could happen too i, I mean it has happened uh, not to me but it, I, like it's happened in the past yeah imagine if he wasn't 17 18 if he was a proper old lad like a, a wild rover that's been out many a winter's night and he's just walking imagine that today like a a, a 35 year even which is isn't that old that walks through the woods and a 16 year old girl passes him by and he goes how old are you she would run back to her mommy she wouldn't say that i'll be 17 on sunday yeah we will have to we'll have to assume <laughs> that he was charming yeah yeah i'd like it, to hope that he was just, at least charming if he's getting that kind of a response it sort of leads me to believe that because it was so religious because it was so oppressed that it took very little and people were ready for it 
<laughs> in a way like or at least like the idea of flirting with it was yeah i think it was a much more appealing. it was probably a much more immediate process like um <laughs> there's there's even a few shows that show stuff like that or old movies and things like um there's an old irish movie called uh falling for a dancer i don't know if you've seen that it's about it i haven't it's about it's very very old school irish movie and um it's about a girl who sleeps with an actor that's on the road and she falls pregnant but the next morning he's gone and she's the talk of the village basically and that's obviously the danger here yeah that we we don't hear anything about like what happens two months later is she <laughs> is she starting to show <laughs> or or was she okay or did he use like the the first sort of prototype uh cheap intestine condom well considering that but i suppose that was sacrilege i was about as to well. say considering the condoms were illegal in ireland until the early 90s i highly doubt it yeah <laughs> no johnny's no near a johnny going around except the lad doing the deed if he was indeed a johnny yeah <laughs> but, but um i wanted to ask i wanted to ask if you were alive back in the day and you were living out in the country living the farmer's dream in fecal in east clare and you're a young man and there aren't that many pretty fair maidens around and you're walking the road and you're in need of a wife or not even a wife you're in need a bit of a bit of crack you're in need you're in need of a bit of how's your father and you meet a lovely young one coming along the road what would you say oh that's that's a good one back in the day now thinking of the context of the time the socio-economic context of rural ireland all the way through the 19th century yeah how about yourself i don't know i don't know i'm trying to think like how back in the day was it a more romantic time do you want to actually be as romantic as you can be compared to nowadays where if you try and do that they'll laugh at you or spray something on you like pepper spray or (laughs) (laughs) if you tell someone nowadays that their eyes shine like the moon (laughs) whereas back in the day if you said that was it charming yeah was it charming it probably was like we're talking about a time where i don't know about the mid 1800s but 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 if we go a little bit further back like i suppose the people weren't very literate and hadn't read very much uh maybe couldn't write so so saying something along those lines is like today that means you're a nerd back then it meant that you had a proper education and probably had a little bit of money so so yeah you're making a fair point i would probably uh do some shakespearean shit uh, (laughs) just to get that out there and like yeah just to to make the point that uh, yeah make the point that someone actually spent the money and sent me to school okay so you've succeeded and you've won the hand of the fair maiden and you bring her home this is the time now when the catholic oppression and the fear of letting loose is all let out because you're married and you're allowed to do it and you're in your room what's the irish dirty talk what's the country what what are the country words like do you stay do you stay sophisticated when you're finally allowed to do and say what you want when you're alone in your room with your wife under the eyes of God himself 
Oh Jesus Like because what? Because the likes of Lifting the petticoat Over the knee to me Are considered so promiscuous Back then Like they would be as bad As porn nowadays Back in the day So Yeah When you're actually Engaging in the act And you have to Make conversation So to speak I, Is it still I, innocent I, I imagine it being uh, Ridiculously innocent But just for the sake Of the podcast Then, then Irish dirty talk Is Is uh, just a fantastic topic that I'm I'm getting the, I'm blushing even just thinking about it but going into the to the spuds and the turnips and, and the a real turf. real farmer country you dirty little spud yeah yeah oh Jesus yeah, I'd love yeah, to smother yeah. you in butter <laughs> I'll I'll cut your turf I'll cut your turf good for you <laughs> lie down there and I mow the lawn Get the horses out. I'll I'll strap on the carriage, <laughs> and and then obviously just dirty talking all the way around the 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 fact of uh, uh, the, the the fact of life and 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 the creation of life. I'm planting the seeds. I'm planting the crops. Be Jesus, your one down the road has a right old la. She has great road frontage, and I've great mileage in me as well. Be God. No, it's um. I'm, I'm very, very uncomfortable <laughs> talking about this because I'm getting, I'm getting strange images of of like Father Ted pornography in my head. So, ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's brilliant. Christ on the vice. In the words of Mrs. Doyle, "Ride me sideways" was another one. <laughs> You've been chatting up the girl. You've succeeded. You're bringing her to the bar. You're not bringing her home to mammy. What drink do you order her? Today or in 1838? Rural Ireland in the early 1900s. I'm going to give you a bit of extra leverage here. Early 1900s. You bring a lovely little... I'm not going to say schoolgirl because that would be very strange and illegal. But (laughs) you bring a darling young Nancy. We'll call her a Nancy. And she's... Yeah, she's just the one that got away, but you got her, and you're bringing her to the pub, and you're having your first little date. You're courting. What what yeah. drink do you order for Nancy? Am I trying to convince her to 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 go home with me, or am I testing her for <laughs> marriage material? Well, give a, give us both two different stories. Give us both instances okay. here. I was I was going for the actual courting thing. You want to impress a woman in the early 1900s, and you are who you are. You are as you are, like, just back in the day. Okay, like, obviously, like, the first thing I would I would think in rural Ireland, if I could make it happen, then I would order a fucking pina colada. Uh, but obviously that didn't exist until 1958 or something, so I'm taking that out. Most well-known drinks today are from, the like, the mid-1900s. Like, at this point... What would have been the options in rural Ireland at the time? All facts aside, say we have everything available, then I would definitely go with a piña colada, something a little bit fresh and fruity, and that it impresses her, because I have heard of things like pineapple and sugar cane. And, <laughs> do you think anyone? Do you think anyone in Ireland had ever even seen a pineapple at that time? 
you'd be hard pressed to find a pineapple in Ireland in 1838 I'm I'm pretty sure but if there was one I would find it if I was testing her to see whether or not she could be the one I would probably get like a local really hardcore peat smoked whiskey just to to see her facial now you're now you're entering Robert Burns territory yeah but but pre barley taxation in Ireland there would most definitely have been peated whiskies in Ireland and and like if we're talking before the industrial revolution before coal fires and like you would have to dry the barley somehow and if you go far enough back to when peat fires were the main source of heat the whiskey in Ireland would have been as smoked as anywhere in Scotland interesting we're going to have to delve into more whiskies at a later date as well. There'll, there'll definitely be top 10 whiskey related folk songs <laughs> episode at some stage. I promise you that. Well, I can guarantee that you'd be uh, you'd be winning the hand of Fair Nancy with an old Pete Smoked whiskey anyway. Or that, that <laughs> or you'd scare her away. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's just as good. Like, at least you get your answer early. If she can't handle a peat smoked whiskey, then at least she'll have to explain herself. Just on another note about this song. Litha do a litha do a D, chilidle dum a D, chilidle dum a D, and she landed. Yeah? Yeah. What What does it mean? <laughs> good question this is this is something we we've talked about before and something we uh, no doubt will have to talk about again the non-lexical where do you draw the line between lilting and just non-lexical words the the whole the whole turalura aspect of it what what is it is it just is it because we have bad folk song writers that couldn't come up with something meaningful to put in the chorus or is it for people to better being able to to sing along is it it's it's an interesting i'm gonna tradition i'm gonna throw a a little little hot take in here i'm gonna throw in just a little idea do you think that those non-lexical choruses and singing emerged from instrumental passages i find that highly possible that maybe they just ended up verbalizing what in the beginning was an instrumental section of a song. Yeah, I think that's very possible. I don't think it, it necessarily true in in all songs that has no. non lexicals. And especially uh, especially in more recent times, like when the non lexicals became a popular and common thing. Yeah. They started to be yeah. used purposely. But I don't know, it just yeah. it just entered my head there that the idea like the idea of lilting coming from Irish tunes is because we didn't have the instruments to back up the tunes and we wanted to be able to verbalise them so that we could play the tunes without an instrument. So and, and I can definitely I can definitely see in this song when he's he's saying that he, he was out walking, it's early in the morning, all of a sudden he spied a, a pretty young girl and she it literally goes, and she was and she I can see her skipping along the road, singing to herself. So she I think that's even, highly. She might even have been whistling, or or even like you said, yeah. like she could have just begun. She could have been lilting. Yeah, Mo- most definitely. I think that that's that's highly possible in this song. Uh, might be a different story when you're talking about like I don't know like Tim Finnegan's Wake which has been discussed in in another episode where it goes whack from a down a dance to your partner around the floor you're trying to shake 
yeah, whack, whack for me da and mushering da ma do da ma da. That's definitely something to explore. Even but like all, even song, like old kids I, songs, knick knack paddy whack, give a dog a bone. This true, old man came rolling home. Like it's, it's all about whacks and dados and it's interesting. It's definitely inter- like even in this song, what I found interesting was that the last line of that non-lexical is and she landed. Like it's like a typical Irish saying, "Hope she flew and the cock flattened her," or "Hope she said and she never wrote." <laughs> They're just like. There's a lot of Irish sayings that people say that don't mean anything and they just say them for the sake of saying them. Like yeah. you could walk into a room yeah. or you could be in a room with someone who's like of a more senior age than you that was around in country, older, more rural times in Ireland. And like you could have a conversation and the conversation will be finished by, sure, that's it, no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be a perfect place to... <laughs> to end the podcast <laughs> sure that's it now that is actually it <laughs> yep or, or another one is now for you <laughs> now for you there now for you folks thank <laughs> you very much for tuning in to Tura Laura. we'll be back next week with more folk songs more explorations more fun and games and and definitely more whiskey talk <laughs> don't forget guys if you like what you hear you can tune in to our social media we're at all of them and there's Facebook there's Instagram email us at Toralora if you have any questions comments or suggestions for guests to have on the show if you feel like you could tell us more than we already know we want to talk to you which is everyone yeah. ever <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening in and we will see you very soon Toralora Lou Toralora Lou <laughs>